You're listening to Grassroots Music UK, www.innovationstudios.com. Send me an email, innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com. The podcast aimed at the likes of you who are banging the old bass guitar back in the trunk of your old Fiat and drifting off to do your shows at the Rose and Crown on a Friday night. Or for those of you who are traveling across, bunched in the back of a van with all your equipment and uh, cunningly breaking the law over the years by having too many people in the back unseat belted, which I'm sure you don't do now. Um, as per usual, a Q&A as we approach Christmas again. We're only a couple of weeks away now. Um, and here we are. Who knows what's going to happen? But I'll tell you what will happen is I've had a few more questions from some of you. And uh, once again, I'm going to work my way through, get as many of them done as I possibly can, give you the most honest answers I possibly can, and give you my opinion. And it is only my opinion on the advice that you ask me for. So let's go straight at it. You can ask me anything. I'm pretty much an open book. Within reason, keep it clean, please, and keep it decent. We do have youngsters listening to this podcast, and I'm too honest for my own good sometimes. But Kevin in Basildon starts us off and he says hi marcus do you remember the first song you ever wrote and also what's the earliest song you remember hearing um right the first song i ever wrote um oh goodness me i, I suppose if you count the 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 awful awful warblings of of childhood then technically i wrote the song with my brothers called um i'm in trouble i think my brother uh, wrote it and I ended up playing the guitar on it and helping him with a few lyrics. So I would have been about 10 or 12. Um, and yeah, that's the first song I remember writing, but that, I can't really count that. I think the first song I remember writing that actually got used was a song called Carla, which uh, Walter Wall played. And which, to be absolutely honest, uh, you know, it's not my finest piece of work, but you've got to start somewhere. And that would have been about 1991. Um, so uh, I had a few ideas around that time, but Carla was probably the, f the, the first one where I thought, oh, it's a, a whole song that's all mine, um, which was quite nice. The first song I remember hearing, the first song I remember hearing and reacting to was, uh, I'm sure it was a piece of guitar called Raunchy, which uh, those of you out there will know, um, some of you will know that it's the piece that apparently George Harrison played to John Lennon and got the part in the Beatles. But I, 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 I terribly to terrible to admit i can't remember who played it i'm sure it was gene something or another but i could be wrong but raunchy is the piece of music and i remember being very young and having it on a tape um and thinking i like that i like the sound of that guitar and probably apache the shadows but i used to back then it used to have things like the supermarkets or the uh the sweet shop used to sell uh pickwick records and pickwick records were kind of 45s and they were really terrible sort of cover versions of the actual song they weren't by the by the actual artist and through the 70s a lot of the pop uh, they, they used to call them the top of the pops records but they weren't they were kind of uh, compilations of of um songs from that year but they weren't by the original artist they were cover versions and they were pretty good but they weren't so I remember picking those up and I remember I picked up a couple of dreadful songs um, 
bad old days by uh, Coco. Now, those of you who don't remember Coco, have never heard of Coco, well, let me tell you, they they released a single called Bad Old Days in 1980. And um, they featured it was in the eurovision song contest and they featured cheryl baker who a year later was in bucks fizz but in 1980 she was in um coco and they yeah song called bad old days and i can still see that going around on the the old turntable um even to this day that playing my dad's old records um that was one of the first songs i remember having and there was a dreadful song called the banner man which i i drove my mum mad trying to get hold of it and bought it and then we we lost it and I was going through the bag and couldn't find it anywhere. And we ended up walking all the way through the town and went back home again with me all disappointed. And there it was under a chair. I dropped it at home. So the banner man. And I had my little record player, which was uh, just a little junior one, little uh, sort of black and wooden thing that you put the, put the songs on. And it had that little circle that would, um, for the songs or for the, for the albums or the, the singles it would have been that didn't have the little black bit in the middle that uh, filled the hole in. So you were able to play that. And the Banner Man was, was one of the first songs I remember hearing as well. First song I wrote was Carla. Probably the first song I ever remember thinking I like that was, was raunchy. But I love Jerry Lee Lewis. There's there's pictures of an, an, an old cine film of me being three and four years old, jumping around in the hallway playing my guitar along with Jerry Lee Lewis. So, uh, you know, impossible to remember for sure. But thinking about it now, th- those two songs, or that that certainly comes to mind, raunchy. So thanks for your question, Kevin. If if I come up with a better answer than that, then I promise you I will email you back. But they're the ones that come off the top of my head. Next question, Kelly in Braintree. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Marcus. I hope you're well in this difficult time. How do you switch off after a long day recording or being constantly surrounded by music and all the noise and confusion that comes with it? Well, it can get noisy and it can get confusing at times. Um, Yeah, the hardest thing about music I've always found, and uh, any musicians I've spoken to uh, often have the same opinion, and that is you never switch off from it. Because once once you find music or music finds you, you you know, even to the point where you'll be out for a, a meal with someone who's special to you and they'll be telling you something and you'll hear something on the jukebox and go, hang on a minute, must remember to get that in my set. So in order to get away from music, um, I, I just like, I'm, I don't really play golf or go fishing or anything like that. Um, I think over time you learn how to leave it in the studio. You learn how how to to make the difference between the the man and the performer. You you're able to switch that person off. But I'm quite boring, Kelly. I I, I flick through rubbish on YouTube and watch old programs that maybe I watched years ago. Anything to make me think about something other than music. And recently it's been, you know, and, and I believe me, I've never been fishing in my life. Never. I have never, I think probably once. I don't think I've ever been fishing more than once. And at the moment, um, we were clearing out some some bits, Kelly, and at, um, mum was throwing out a few things. And she gave me a couple of old VHS uh, cassettes of Go Fishing, which they, they were my dad's. And I thought, well, I'll copy them over to DVD and I can keep them and watch them. I hate to use the obvious pun, but I am hooked. And I've never been fishing in my life. But there's something about you come in after a busy day, stick that on, chill out with a cup of tea and just watch that. You know, John Wilson, it is legend, legendary John Wilson, Channel 4 back then. 
watching somebody else catch fish. And if someone said to me, you know, now I'll give you a million pounds if you come fishing tomorrow, I think, oh, I can't be bothered. I don't want to get up that early. And But, you know, I, I've recently been watching that. Um, but most of the time you learn how to. I mean, you. I think music's slightly different to, to other things because there are always targets always things that you need to do things that you want to achieve and uh very much people i'm sure there are there are gentlemen and ladies that work in the city that have targets that they finish at six o'clock but they don't finish they come home and they're still thinking about work still still you know worried about work or worried about meeting their targets and uh how can they do better at what they're doing how can they improve what they're doing and music is the same we're always trying to improve what we have how can we make it better um so, and believe me, Kelly, I've had endless sleepless nights over the years with stuff where I've suddenly woken up at one in the morning and thought, well, what about if I make a note, if I could put the speakers that way and we could set it up a different way and maybe we could do it. And you think, wow, why, why won't this leave me alone? And in the end, um, a very, very brief, funny story, but I found that um, I couldn't sleep. I had a, a really bad run of sleepless nights thinking about music. So I thought, well, here's a good idea. What I'll do is um, I'll make a note. I'll take a notebook and I'll make a note of things that come to me in the small hours of the morning, things that I'm worried about, anything musical or whatever, really, but uh, anything that's keeping me awake. So for the first two or three nights, I go to bed and later I think, okay, maybe I could set the PA up that way or maybe I could put the microphone this way. Maybe I could put this kick drum or, or that microphone on the guitar. Maybe I could do that and I'd still be awake, but... I found I'd just write it into a book and then got a couple of decent nights sleep and I thought, okay, that's great. So, you know, by about night three, went up, laid there, thought, okay, I made a note of that, so that's fine. Um, and I was sleeping really well and about night four, I suddenly went up and I had nothing to write up in, write in the book. So I sat up all night thinking about something to write in the book and then ended up getting no sleep at all. So um, there you are, that's, that's how it can go sometimes. You need to learn. You learn with experience, and you learn with um, over time how to how to switch the character off and switch the character on again. Because the being on stage um, or being in the public eye in any way at all, you have a face that you wear. Now receptionists have faces that they wear, and you know, and uh, doctors have faces that they wear. They're not the same person when they're at work as they are when they're at home. And musicians are, are the same, probably with the exception of comedians the biggest gulf between the two because being on stage for two hours you know if, you, if you're answering phones you can disappear for a couple of minutes if if you're suddenly upset about something or whatever when you're on the in the public eye for two hours under that spotlight two hours and it might only be you know the dog and duck somewhere or it might only be o'neill's or somewhere like that in Leytonstone or whatever but there's there's two or three hundred people in there wanting you to entertain them they don't care that you're having a bad day because your dog's died um, so you're in the, you're in the public eye and you've got to do it and and this this profession being able to separate the performer from the man or or the uh, the performer from the person I should say is one of the hardest things I'd imagine being funny going out and having to be funny is probably the only thing that would be harder because at least we don't have to be funny we can just do our job and play some songs but in the end, you learn how to leave the man on the stage. Uh, uh, I learned how to leave the man on the stage and how to leave the performer on the stage. And, and very rarely does the performer come into my private life and very rare does the 
private man coming to the performance side of things but any musician out there will know that there are some nights when you walk out on stage and you're you and it doesn't matter how much you try and they're the times when it's the loneliest place on earth when you feel that all the confidence of being that person is gone and you're left as you and I don't have the confidence to necessarily step up there and do Butlins in front of a couple of thousand people or the cavern in front of a few hundred or I wouldn't have the confidence to do it I'd be too worried but you see that part of my character does and some nights and it's very rare thank thank goodness but there are some nights when he isn't there and they're the nights when I'm up there and and, and the singing is still the same and the playing is still the same but inside my mind I'm thinking am I standing up straight uh, uh, do I look um, you know do, do I look like I'm enjoying it uh, you start analysing it in a different way because you're the man, because I'm the man. I'm not the performer. The performer doesn't care. You, you, you've paid for this. You're going to have a bloody good night and you're going to go, I'm happy. But the man is wondering whether you're going to go, I'm happy or not, because he's the one that has the insecurity. So there are some nights that you don't have the performer with you and some nights that you do. But in answer to your question about three days ago, um, I like to... I'm able to switch off now anyway. And when I come in, I just, by the time I've had a cup of tea, I've left it all in the studio or left it all in the rehearsal room. Um, and things don't, don't really bother me that much. And if they do a little bit of, um, a little bit of maybe rain sounds, um, binaural beats as well. There's a couple of apps, which somebody told me about, and I, I, I poo pooed it. Oh, I don't need all that mumbo jumbo, but, Somebody said, no, try it, the binaural beats. So what I try and do is, it's like a white noise thing. And you have that on with a little bit of rain. And uh, yeah, lovely. Sometimes you just get lost in that and listen to the rain. And, and it sends me off to sleep or it just relaxes me. Or I watch a load of rubbish on YouTube about people fishing and I'll never fish myself. So there you are. Um, but uh, yes, Kelly in Braintree, that's how I relax. Thanks very much for your question. Need help setting up your own home studio? Why not book a consultation online? Here at Innovation Studios, we can help and advise on the best equipment for you, your ideas, your budget, and your space. Maybe even book a home visit. We can help you set up, install, and use your software, offering a recording workshop in your very own studio in your very own home, going through techniques and offering advice and guidance to get you up and running. Go to www.innovationstudios.com further information on a similar vein this one uh, Ricky from Stanford I'm assuming Stanfordly Hope um, there towards uh, Grays and Tilbury Ricky says how do you kill time he says hello Marcus how are you but how do you kill time when you're traveling across the UK these days I'm sure it's easier with the technology of mobiles and DVD players but I wondered if there are any funny stories or memories from when you first started before all of the technology came and ruined us all. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Ricky. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes you're in, it's not, as you say, Ricky, it's not so bad now because you can take, uh, put an audio book on or put your pod or iPod on or these days it's very much, you know, see the lads, you walk in, the Oasis lads get together, you're traveling up to Manchester, you get in the van, hello mate, how are you? How's things, you know, once you've, exchange pleasantries for an hour then it's headphones on everybody in the world of their own and get there but in the early days before all of the technology it was very much a case of and it wasn't i spy well you know we, we weren't but you would you would uh sometimes you'd have the radio on 
or you might but but I could never read while we were going along I used to take you buy a magazine or something or you buy a book or something like that but I could never read because it would make me feel a bit sick because I was trying to read and, and of course a van is throwing you about a little bit so trying to talk about things or trying to I found that a good thing to do was to kind of do uh, you'd sit with your friend and you'd chat about things um, but then you'd suddenly say right um, you know Desert Island Discs you know you're allowed 10 albums on a desert you're on a desert island you're allowed 10 albums what would they be or you're allowed 10 songs what would they be you don't have to explain it but you just have to talk about it and and it would lead to a good conversation because um, you know you never knew what each member of the band was going to come up with Um, and so you'd kind of do things like that or you might talk about things uh in general there was always something that was happening in the world that you chat about you know for a while but on the really really long times um yeah when it goes quiet sometimes you'd be sat and and you'd be traveling you just had that sort of sound of the road going on and maybe the windscreen wipers and the rain on the roof and and i could never sleep in the van and a couple of the other lads would would drift off to sleep but i i could never sleep in the van i could never sleep in the in the you know in the tour bus as we used to call it and um so you'd be traveling back from somewhere and and you'd suddenly hear like you know mark are you awake you go yeah i'm bored you go yeah no i'm bored as well and then they say something like best sandwich you ever had and you go what best sandwich you ever had where'd you ever say what's the best sandwich you ever had and you say oh that's a tough one you go well think about it mark we've got Good, good three or four hours here. What's the best sandwich you've ever had? Oh, wow. Um, oh, tough one. And then you sort of go, mate, you might go, sausage sandwich. Yeah, what sauce you got on that? And you say, uh, uh, brown sauce. No, no. No, red. No, 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 no. And then one of the other lads would sit up, you know, probably take his hoodie from over his head and sort of go, no, no, it's brown, red for bacon, brown for sausages. And like half an hour later, you've got another sort of uh, 30 miles down the road and you've been laughing and, and one of them said, you know, and we had this conversation, what's the most inappropriate thing to eat in the back of a van? And you'd say, well, plate of stew, you know, or that sort of thing. You're trying to, trying to, it, it's not the most hilarious thing you'll ever hear. But when you're trying to eat up time, you you just do silly things, just anything you can do. These days, it's easier with films, TV programs and and uh, things like that, and DAB radio, and all of that. But back then, it was yeah, it was it really was. You know what? What's the best sandwich you've ever had? Or someone would say, you know, um, what's what's the most inappropriate thing to eat in the back of the van? Or and sometimes musical questions. What's the best solo ever? What's the best song ever? Anything that would encourage discussion and banter. You know, banter is a very very big part of this business being able to kill time and having fun with other people and talk. And this is the thing about the, the reason why I, uh, with the grassroots is because I, I love to share that backstage thing. And we work with a lot of people. I've worked with a lot of people over the years at, at, at uh, grassroots level, you know, Butlins and uh, holiday parks and uh, community centers and, and working men's clubs and pubs and clubs and restaurants and, and uh, the occasional festival. You meet a lot of people and some of the stories are so funny. And um, and the stories are all the same. I mean, you know, somebody told me once, uh, my uncle, and he told me that they they were traveling somewhere and um, 
the speaker fell off of the roof rack on the way and I hadn't realized. And when they got to the venue, uh, the roof, uh, they had a look on the roof rack and they said, we've only got one PA speaker, the other one's fallen off and they've got everything else. But, and then the guy who was running the social club, well, that's all right, you can go through our PA. So when he, when, when they set up, we set up and then the, he said, we, we sort of plugged into their PA and put the, put the microphones uh, in. Um, two on stands, probably. They put the microphones in and... Um, he said, what they hadn't told us was that we were at one end of the hall and the PA speakers were at the other end of the hall. So as I'm singing, he said, it sounds like my, I'm shouting from the back of the hall. So it was stories like that, that, that you, you couldn't really write that. It's that kind of thing. And um, so banter is always a big part of it, chatting. And, uh, you know, the, in our case, there were five five lads in a van traveling up somewhere and, uh, you know, um, with dad driving as well. So six of us in a, in a van laughing and sharing stories about and funny stories about what happened that week. And then as we grew up, um, I had kids and Oz had kids and we'd talk about, you know, what the kids were doing and things like that. And of course technology came along and saved us all. But, um, in the early days, um, to get through Ricky, it was a case of what's the best sandwich you've ever had? And I'll put that question to you, mate. Email me back. What's the best sandwich you've ever had, Ricky? All right, mate, thanks for your question. Andy in Malden. I think I might know you, Andy. Um, Andy says, when are wall-to-wall coming back? Oh, my God. How many times have I been asked that? Um, I wanted to bring it back. But if I'm honest with you, um, I only really want to bring it back because of the buzz it would create sort of locally but when i when i talk about this i'm not talking about them being legends of music forever we were just well known in in sort of essex and hertfordshire and across the the sort of southeast but uh people that saw us have fond memories of seeing us and um want to come and see the show again but my honest answer andy is is that um it wouldn't be the same and um we were kids, we were younger, we were just making a bit of noise and it sounded good and we had a lot of fun and we had a lot of energy and now we're older and we're more polished or at least we think we are. We're, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't have the same energy. It wouldn't have the same... And I think also, Andy, uh, you know, people remember it as being better than it was. Coming to see us was an event and, I'll, and I will say that it was. Our shows were, were well attended and we sold, you know, say sold out but we played a lot of pubs and venues right across uh, the the southeast from from places like the the grand in lee we played places like that we played all the old venues um like uh, the esplanade in south when it used to be there we used to do the one that used to be under the um under the underpass at um, chelmsford you know what i can't remember what it is now and it's terrible isn't it but that was there for years uh, and i played that a few times um very famous one in ilford as well um so we we did all of those and and but on top of that we would play a lot of the local pubs and the clubs and uh and the venues and uh, society was different then you 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 know people were different I, I guess and um yeah we it was they were great days and I think to to bring it back now um the only reason I would ever want to do it would be so that my kids could see it but or to see the show live but we're not we're not who we were Andy and and I feel like you know, it was a time and a place thing, mate. But uh, it's always nice that we're remembered. And it's always nice that people still uh, remember what we did. 
Um, and it's nice that we made a difference, even if it's just in our little corner of the world. We made a little difference to people, and um, we we gave the lads a good night out, and we gave the, uh, a good reason for people to get together. And the one thing I will say about Waterwall was um, it was a wonderful experience to kind of be in a band at this level, just at this this small little level, that if we were coming to that town or if we if we were coming to play that the locals would come out and you would have people in there that were going through a messy divorce and they might be at separate parts of the pub but they would still want to see the show because it was a show we, we gave everything we had night after night and my brother said to me the funny thing about it Steve he said to me if you walked into a pub and you saw a band and the lead singer was thrashing a solo with a pint glass and then laid on the floor doing bicycle kicks while he was playing a solo and didn't miss a note. And then the bass player joined in. And at one point, each three of the members uh, of, the, of the band who had guitars were out in the audience playing a solo in three different areas, but the music was still tight. You would think it was the best night you'd ever had. And yet, we'd go and do that the next night and the next night and the next night and the next night. I could do things on stage with a guitar that I can't do in life. I, I'm unfit and I'm not in the best of shape at times, but with a guitar on, I was superhuman, Andy, and, and they were great, great days. But people who had arguments, people who were going through messy divorces, um, still didn't want to miss our gig. And that that's an unbelievable fit. As a matter of fact, I've got the hairs on the back of my neck standing up at the thought of that, that, that more than once that happened. Um, so... Although we never, you know, we we didn't get famous, um, people made the effort to come and see us, and, and that that means a hell of a lot, to be honest. That people would make that effort, and and it would, and of course, a group of lads going out together, and you know, be a group of girls there. Invariably, I'm sure some of you lads went home with some of those girls at times, and and you had some fun, and you enjoyed our our show. And um, I thank I thank you all for coming to anybody that ever saw one of our shows, anybody that ever came to see us. Um, it was always a pleasure, always a pleasure. But Andy, for the time being, mate, uh, I wouldn't say it's a sleeping beast, but I'd say it's a sleeping bear because I think a beast would suggest it's something worldwide. And to be honest, we didn't really get as far as Watford, mate. But if, if it means the world to you, then it, it means the world to me, mate. Cheers, Andy. Next question is Albert in Shenfield. It is Shenfield, Albert, and not Sheffield, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Shenfield. My granddaughter is six and wants to start learning ukulele. Is she too young? Um, possibly, possibly, um, Albert, possibly. Um, I don't know for sure because, of course, everybody has different things that they can and can't do. And, um, of course, children start talking and, and, at different um, ages and are able to do things. But as a rule, coordination and things like that, Six is probably about borderline. I'd say probably seven or eight. But the biggest thing about that is is keeping attention. I couldn't do an hour. You know, if 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 um, you brought your granddaughter to to come and see me, we couldn't do an hour. We'd probably have to do maybe twenty minutes or half an hour. And then uh, maybe if she couldn't get it straight away, she might not want to do it. So that's that's the the thing. But I mean, when I started, I was five or six. Um, I forget that when I when I talk to people that I was only five or six. So. You know, um, the best way is I mean, go on a website, Albert, and, um, you know, uh, if you want to bring her to see me, we can go through a couple of basic little things. Let me know what her name is as well. Um, 
and um, yeah, bring her to see me and, and maybe we'll do something. But six is kind of borderline. I'd, I'd say sort of seven, eight, really. But I forget that I was about five or six. So it's impossible to know until we until we try. But um, yeah, I, I, I would say that there's a possibility, but I'd say it's very much 50-50 at the moment, Albert. Thanks for your email um, and all the best to you. Grassroots Music UK, in association with Innovation Studios, presents the ultimate one-day workshop for songwriters. Advice and analysis on songwriting techniques and methods, how songs are created, structured, recorded and produced. Tuition, analysis and guidance on how to make a great sounding album on a bedroom budget, using recording software and digital audio workstation. Learn how effects and plugins work and the most effective way to use them. Mixing and mastering to CD, WAV and MP3. Adding album artwork, tags and songwriter info. Where to have your mastered CD copied in bulk for selling at your shows. How to upload your music to iTunes and digital media. Online radio stations and how to submit your music for airplay. Advice on venues, promotions, showcases and open mic nights in the area. To book a place and be added to the waiting list, please call 01702 836 649 or email innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com A fashion one, this one, Mandy. Mandy in Hemel Hempstead. Saw Walter Wall many times a few years back and you always used to wear such leery shirts. Could you tell me what they were and where you got them from? Yeah, yeah, thanks for that, Mandy. I think the ones you're referring to are the ones that came that were made by Dragonfly and they were I don't think they were Larry. I didn't think they were Larry, but they 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 probably were, but they were yeah, Dragonfly shirts and um I'd wore them um for a couple of years. I tried to get a sponsorship from Dragonfly, but instead of that I had to buy them myself, but they did send me a nice letter of um sort of thanks but no thanks and you know, who do you think you are some sort of big shot? Um, no, they didn't, they didn't say that, but, um, they could have done. Um, but I used to wear the dragonfly shirts and I had various ones, Rolling Stones. And, um, I had a few that were fairly leery and, um, now and again, some of the old videos on uh, YouTube that you can see of wall to wall. I've got one or two of them on. Yeah. I've got, I think I've got, got them on. Um, I had one, uh, blue one with sort of some sort of Chinese writing on it, which I, I obviously I, you know, in my ignorance, I couldn't read, but, um, I don't know what it said. Hopefully it didn't say anything about me. Hopefully it didn't say tosser or something like that. Um, but um, yeah, the Dragonfly shirts and they, they were an American company and they specialized in rock shirts and I used to have a Gibson one that was all um, sort of Gibson guitars and I had, um, I think I had a Bob Marley one. I, I definitely had a Keith Richards one. I think I had an Osborne, Ozzy Osbourne one. I think I had a Black Sabbath one. Um, so yeah, that's what they were. Mandy, but um, believe me, I don't think you'd want now that I don't think they'd look right now. But at the time, you know, around sort of 98, 99, 2000, I think they suited me. I didn't think they looked too bad, and I thought they they made me stand out a little bit. Um, apart from the fact I was usually standing on someone's table banging a solo, I could have done that in my pants. But, um, you know, the shirt helped me to uh, to stand out, I guess. But um, there we are, Mandy. Thanks for your question, my love. Last question, Carol from Vange, and she says, my grandson 
wonders if you know why why people who do sound always say one two. Testing, testing, one two. Do you know? <laughs> Thanks, Carol. Um. Well, the theory is that in in the words one two testing there are there's everything that you would probably need or you would possibly need um to play the show and what i mean by that is you've got the s of testing to test the reverb the one is an r and the two is a u so you're kind of covering everything people always think it's just because we're learning to count but actually there is a proper scientific reason for it and that is when you say one two testing one two it means that you are using the ah, uh, the oo, and the s, which are three main sounds that you'll be using when you're singing. I bet you didn't know that, Carol, did you? Let me know your uh, grandson's name as well, because then I can I can uh, email him and just say that's what happens. But that's what it is. So everything that, that singers need and, and most of the things that you need when you're using a microphone, most of the shapes you're going to make... Uh, indeed, the ones that I've made whilst I've been recording this podcast have involved an e, a s, a o, and a u. Everything is there. Testing one, two, and that's why they do it. You notice they never say three. I don't know why. Sometimes they say three. Most of the time, testing one, two, and that's the scientific reason for it, Carol. That's why they say one, two. So how about that? Final question, Zoe in Great Wakering says, what is the best microphone or the cheapest microphone for recording vocals? Um, oh, that's a tough one, Zoe, because, I mean, I I always feel that, that I should say SM58, you know, sure SM58, because it's just the best microphone for everything. Um, if it's, you know, if, if it's one of those things, if it's a budget thing, you know, if you're going to buy a microphone and you're going to use it for recording and going live, then by all means, I would say an SM58 um, is probably the best one. It's the industry standard. It's the one that they has stood the test of time. They are rock solid. You can drop them, jump on. I wouldn't suggest that you do, by the way, but you can drop them and jump on them and they, they just still work. They're just fabulous. Um so they're they're very good for live work and for recording. I find them good for recording as well. So I mean, it's one of those things they they cross over very well. Um, but there are other ones as well. You can get an Audio Technica. I think it's a P forty eight cardioid condenser mic, which is a little a uh, little black one that sort of sits in the cage that comes with it. Um, and that sounds absolutely fabulous. Um, really, really fabulous bit of kit. So that's quite affordable. As well. I think it's about 120 quid, whereas an SM58 probably set you back 80 quid, maybe to 100 pounds. Um, Audio Technica is quite good as well for re- recording vocals. And also I, I crossed over with that and recording a little bit of guitar with it as well, along with a, I think it's a PG58 microphone, um, which I had. But um that's quite affordable, but to be honest with you, there, there are so many reviews these days on, on YouTube that um, it's worth having a look on there, Zoe. But if it's a case of just getting a microphone that you want to use for live and that'll be good enough to use uh, in the studio for recording as well, I think most musicians would tell you SM58, sure, SM58. They just cover everything. They are bulletproof, those things. Um, and I've traveled a long way for a long time, and most of the venues I've played... Um, have used SM58. 
So that's what I can tell you. It's industry standard. Everybody uses it. Um, and as I say, they are bulletproof and they do the job, Zoe. So I'm hoping that answers your question, my love. Now, anyway, that's it for this week. I had a look, quick look at the clock. And I think that will do. I don't think there are any questions that I have left that um, I can buzz through in a few seconds other than the obvious. Um, have you ever been drunk on stage? I've answered that one. Have you ever been stoned? No. Um, so I'm going to call it a day at that. But thank you very much for listening. And uh, thank you for, again for your questions. I hope that I have been as entertaining as I can. I hope I have always been as honest as I can. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Don't forget, give me an email at uh, innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com or visit the website www.innovationstudios.com Keep abreast of all our information, all of our uh, upcoming um, special offers and the things that we... I was going to say events, but we haven't got any events coming up at the moment because everybody's closed down. But um, keep, keep abreast of what we're up to. Please email me. Stay in touch with me. If we've met before, please let me know where you are and that you're all, all okay. And I look very much forward to talking to you again next week. I'm going to get a few more questions this week, I'm sure. And I look forward to going through them and answering them all next week for you. So this is a grassroots podcast aimed at the musician who puts a £1,000 worth of equipment in a £200 cart to travel 300 miles and earn £100. All the best to you all. Keep doing what you do. Stay in touch. And I'll see you all next week. Bye-bye for now.